it's important for tech leaders not to be, you know, taking technology in search of a business problem. Um, that that partnership, I think, is extremely Im important, and there needs to be a real understanding of how, uh, you know, a critical business strategy is enabled. So, um, you know, maybe we're talking about new customer relationships, uh, bringing a, a product to market more quickly, um, finding ways to. Um, you know, drive value out of the, you know, chief financial officer shop through faster um, analysis of data. There, there, there needs to be an end game. There needs to be an outcome. That's the focus. Welcome to the Search and Succeed podcast. I'm Rob Glass, managing partner of Funston Partners. We are so fortunate to share many journeys with some exceptional people throughout their careers, people whom are thriving in their area of expertise. And on this podcast, we'll be chatting with them about how they perceive and strive for success within their industry and their life. I hope you enjoy. Liz Ebert is first and foremost great company and a pleasure to know and to talk to. This is reflected in her career to date and the long-term relationships she fosters with her clients, where she advises C-suite in a wide range of enterprise technology solutions. The CIO and CDO conversations are an everyday occurrence for Liz, and we will explore her thoughts on their success. Liz is a visionary and a leader when bringing together innovative technology and next generation business understanding. And with this ever-changing landscape we're currently in, this environment is where Liz thrives. We are fortunate to be able to dig into Liz's version of her success in her life. Fantastic to be here with you, Liz. How are you? I'm well, Rob. How are you? We're really good, thanks. We're in the summer, everyone's happy. You know, there's lots of sports on TV, which makes me quite happy right now. Made it through the winter gloom, right? Yeah, exactly. How is it where you are, Liz? You know, we've been really affected by those Canadian um, fires. So yesterday it was uh, it was very smoky and hazy, which is very strange. So oh, wow. um, hoping, hoping that that uh, gets through because uh, there's a little golf plan for this afternoon. So need needs some cooperating weather. How was your golf? Depends on the hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the case, isn't it? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And that was just yesterday. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I played the other day with a friend of mine who plays off five. I personally play off like 18 or so um, on a good day. But I think whenever you ask anybody how their golf is, it's just completely relevant to the person. Um, yeah. If I ask my friend how his golf is and he plays off five, he's always, oh, I'm rubbish. But he's dropped yeah. six shots and makes me feel a little bit worse about myself. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't think bad golfers get enough respect. It's a lot of work to be bad. Well, look, the US Open is is on at the moment. We're hoping, well, I'm hoping for a, a Rory McIlroy uh, reprieve right now. He needs some love from the universe. I think that would be great. Yeah, I think he deserves it. Absolutely. Yeah. Put himself out yeah. for sure. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, when I was introducing you, Liz, you've had an exceptional career to date and life. And, you know, the whole uh, basis of this podcast is not just about careers. It's about what makes or what you strive for when it comes to success and your own personal success, which is 
different to every other person on this planet. And, and that's what makes it so intriguing. You know, the title yeah. of, the, of the podcast is Search and Succeed. I, I was just really keen to understand from your perspective, when you hear the phrase Search and Succeed, what it means to you. You know, it's interesting because um, back when I started uh, in consulting with Anderson Con- uh, Anderson Consulting and the Training Center in St. Charles, I'm, I don't think I anticipated quite as much searching. And uh, certainly uh, we were an, an arrogant, snotty little bunch of college grads and had T-shirts printed up about we, how we were the partner class of whatever whatever year it was. So I I guess I expected the success and I, you know, really proud of what I've accomplished. Um, and, but, but I've been searching in my case in particular, just finding the right culture um, as well as the right work-life balance. So as a, um, a single parent with uh, three kids going through, through college and things like that, it wasn't always a great fit for the consulting lifestyle. And I'm, I'm very grateful that things have changed um, for the next generation of women consultants. But I think, uh, you know, we're certainly, we're certainly far from, far from perfect. Um, but I think what keeps me coming back to it and sticking with it, and I, I'll tell you, many of my peers have, um, have just, cashed it in. It's hard. It's really hard sometimes in terms of, um, you know, the lack of diversity, some of the challenges of the business, um, some of the challenges of travel. I had a crazy travel uh, conversation this week. Um, what keeps me coming back is is really my my engagement teams. And I was just uh, with a client earlier this week with um, with my project team. And one of my, my colleagues calls my uh, my my work stream uh, team, my posse. So my posse uh, and, and really what makes the difference for me is creating um, an environment, creating a culture, even just on our focus area, where the next generation of consultants can, um, can learn and contribute and be excited about the work and be recognized by uh, our, our peers and our, our client, which uh, has all happened this week. So that's what makes me get up on Mondays and you know, pursue the next project and you know, be super excited with my current role. Um, because if I didn't have that, that connection with my teams, I, I, don't think I, would, uh, I don't think I'd find it as fun as I, I still do. When you mentioned there about the challenges that you had um, as a single mom and, and being in the consulting world and the challenges that you then had compared to perhaps people today, what was the differences? Oh, the differences were, were dramatic. Um, when my first son was born, um, I was working uh, in consulting and there was basically no relief from the travel and travel then was Monday through Friday. So, um, you know, and sometimes we were out Sunday night and um, literally I was told after my six weeks of uh, maternity leave that I needed to be traveling full-time starting the following Monday. So that that just wasn't practical. Um, I, I was still in my my marriage at the time, but even um, in you know with that sort of support system, it just it just wasn't enough. It wasn't practical. So I've had to find um, find my path. And I, I, I kind of love that um, in terms of where we are now as a community of consultants, because I've got so many people talking exactly about their path. and 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 now it's really acceptable for everyone to have found their own way as opposed to how it was when I started in consulting, which was, you know, you better make partner in 10 years, maybe 12, but after that it's, you know, up or out. You can't, you know, you, you have to always show your commitment and, you, you know, you, you can't have any distractions. And I'm grateful that we're, you know, well away from that. 
Um, I've had had my journey um, away from consulting when my children were younger, where I needed a lot more control over my day-to-day schedule and my travel schedule, um, and um, you know had some terrific experiences. Um, my I was with PwC and then wound up at, at IBM one morning uh, in the fall, and and that was jarring, but actually a, a wonderful experience in terms of the skills that I could develop gave me some opportunities to um, take my journey outside of consulting into some other client-facing roles, but then return um, fairly easily. And I think um, my industry now is making a lot more alternative paths, you know, very acceptable and even very desirable in terms of not only um, moms, but also dads. We've got, uh, you know, much more focus on um, parental leave as opposed to just maternity leave. we uh, it's, it's great. We'll have video calls. There's going to be a kid on some dad's lap or some mom's lap. And and it's completely, you know, completely acceptable. We we welcome kids. We welcome dogs and cats. You know, it's just yeah. I think we're a lot more gentle to each other, which I think is is super important for the longevity in our business. Yeah, completely. It takes me back to that video, which I'm sure everyone has seen where I think it was the beginning of COVID. And yeah. It was the chap being interviewed and, and his on TV, daughter, no less, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's on, yeah, on TV, and his daughter runs in, and then his wife scrambles in and falls over, and yeah, trying to maintain that element of professionalism. And we could all relate at that moment. Just got a lot of love after that one. It's like, you know, just enjoy it, right? Yeah, made it real. Make sure you show it at her wedding, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's it's quite clear what drives and motivates you, Liz. Um, you know, talking to you and asking you about the phrase "search and succeed." Immediately, your thought around succeed is how you succeed in your career, uh, and, and 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 that's clearly how you've got to where you've got to today. Um, how do you balance that? From because you're also a mum, and uh, I, and I know that you're remarried as well. And how do you balance and find your own level of success as a whole? Yeah, you know, it's um, it's important to do a couple of things. One is, you know, as a consultant, I'm planning, always planning. We have to plan. Everything's calendared, so I make sure that I um, arrange for time away from work and make that commitment to myself. Um, I'm still working on on that. I'm, Keep on thinking. I need to vary up my my workouts a little bit, and you know, do some other things. And we all figure out meditation. You know, all these all yeah. these things <laughs> on my to do list. Um, so I think you know, first of all, is is really have the intention. Um, and then the other thing that I I don't know if people understand how empowering it is to say no. Um, and that's not you know, there doesn't need to be any um, anything more than you know just being able to say something isn't going to work out for you um, and, and, and move on from it. I think people, um, particularly uh, younger folks entering um, consulting don't have, don't feel they have the permission to say no. And, and, you know, creating that space now, I think is something that, that we've done where, um, where everybody is, um, is allowed that, um, you know, allowed to take that position and look out for themselves. And I think that is that that's huge. And it gives you a sense of control as well. Sometimes in consulting, um, you can feel very much that everybody else has a say about your time and your priorities, except you. Um, and, and that's just not the case anymore. So, you know, using using that no card, I mean, in a in a, you know, positive, positive way. Yeah. Um, 
then I think everyone understands where you know their their boundaries are, and and uh, then you can do a better job when you are fully committed to yes. And just and then be able to balance up all the things that you're responsible for in life. Do you feel like you use this no card every week? Is that is that just a part of your responses to things and done in the right way? Ab- absolutely. You know, it, it, it's it's funny. We're coming up on the end of our fiscal year, and uh, it seems like there's just a lot more yeses piling up on my calendar. I need to need to reassess. Um, yeah. But but yeah, now having that option, I think, is 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 really freeing and important in terms of of uh, what we're doing. And that's what I love about my my team as well. You know, we're we're going through our planning for next year and, and we're just you know, there's a few things that we're going to just park and everybody's going to say no to. And we're going to double down on a smaller, smaller list and try to show more more results. Um, so having everybody uh, on my team really, you know, looking at the same framework is very helpful. Yeah. It's a skill set on its own, being able to say no and how you say it and when you say it. It's for a podcast all on its own, just on how to say no in the right way. Um, You know, it's funny. I just had a conversation this week with uh, another partner and and he said, well, there's three things that you've been working on and, um, you know, we need to sort of reprioritize. I said, well, you know, it's all been great, but I put that, you know, this this item at number three. And it's like, oh, I'm so glad you're saying that. It's like, that's my number three, too. It's like, all right, well. Someone's going to go to the back of the line for a bit. So, yeah, I mean, we, we have that conversation and, and it's it's really helpful. David, do you find it easy to say no? Uh, it depends what we're talking about. So you're going to say yes there for a second. <laughs> it, it depends on the situation. I think, uh, you know, it depends who you're talking to. It depends what you're talking about. Um, I think it's probably harder to say no to clients than it is to to maybe your your kids or your family at home um but yeah it really 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 depends i think it's interesting liz because you've spoken more you've spoken a little bit now about you and your background as far as your career goes you've worked in consulting you've worked in it services we're in a world now where there is a huge amount of change happening at a very very rapid rate and organizations are having to deal with this change quickly a lot of the work that you've done is around CIO, CIO advisory. What's the role of a CIO? Um, and what is it? What has it been in the past? What is it today? How has it evolved over the years? All right. Well, that's a book topic, David. It's, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say, you know, you, you, you were just talking about change and how things are rapidly changing. Even when we talk as a team about uh, generative AI, we talk about before November where generative AI was mostly an academic or scientific conversation. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, chat GPT explodes um, into, you know, onto the stage. Um, there, there's a whole range of uh, responsibilities that I think effective CIOs have. And that, that role is really um, changed more than I'd say most of the other C-suite roles. I mean, everyone knows what a CEO does or a chief operating officer, chief financial officer. CIOs have had to reinvent themselves, you know, as, as well as, as CDOs. So one of the, the clients that I'm working with right now, I noticed um, in his signature just a couple of weeks ago, now he is the chief digital and information officer. So ta-da, there we go, new, new role. And we're seeing, you know, a, a, a great rotation through, through acronyms. Um, I, I think one thing that's interesting with just the pace of change now is that businesses kind of like the the sugar high, the buzz, you know, and we're seeing a whole series of behaviors 
um, in in business that that represent that. You know, we've, tech has been you know almost in a recession. We, mm-hmm. we see companies announcing layoffs, um, and just to get that that stock bump, you know, not not necessarily sustained, but you know, a little bit of a creating of a certain perception in the marketplace about being very cost conscious and and very diligent on that that front, very focused. Um, you know, we see uh, CIOs, uh, you know, having to chase, um, you know, some of the latest waves. Um, in terms of uh, of tech innovation, and you know, but we also hear from uh, from organizations that are working to consume technology that they aren't necessarily getting um, the long term benefits. Um, I was listening to an interview with a woman who had worked in digital transformation and government, which I think must have been a, a really challenging and, and interesting role. And mm-hmm. one of the comments that really was resonating with me was we spent too much time focused on processes and not enough time on, on outcomes. And, and I coach my teams all the time, you know, spend less time talking about what we're going to do and more time on what the client's going to get, you know, just let's keep it really simple. And I think that's one thing, one reason why some of these new, you know, rapid waves of technology change are so appealing to CIOs um, is that there is that ability to create an outcome really quickly. Um, I'd I'd be happier and I'm I'm really looking forward to um, as these technologies mature that we get a little bit more sustainable value. Um, but, you know, there's a big change from, you know, back when I started in, in the industry and, and was working on, on ERP projects where we were really focused on, you know, business process reengineering and the process. Um, and, you know, this, this, uh, this conversation that I heard was more about unlocking people's talent through technology mm-hmm. uh, capabilities to create those outcomes. And, and I, I think that's really where a successful technology leader has to has to focus now, um, the the CIOs and uh, that I see struggling the most are the ones who are constantly the first on the list for cost cutting. It's like, oh, you know, the you know IT spend is four percent of total revenue. Let's get it down to three or two. And I've had conversations with technology leaders like, guys, you're really not cutting IT spend. What you're doing is you're just deferring it. You're kicking the can down the road. Um, you're going to have to come back to this and um, you know, the whole, the whole conversation of technology debt, um, is, is a very, very, very real one. Um, and, and so, you know, having all of the, the pressures on a, a technology leadership, um, responsibility really is balancing, you know, how to make sense of these rapid waves of change, um, what's going to work in terms of driving an organization's business strategy forward. Um, and what's just not going to be that, that, you know, that sugar buzz. Oh, you know, we did that thing. It was, that was crazy. And, you know, I don't even remember why we did that kind of stuff. You know, um, you've got to, you've really got to have uh, that balance between the process and the outcome. And and just picking up on something you said there, if cost cutting from a technology and an IT perspective is fairly close to the top of an organization's list of priorities. How do you see that personally? Taking your sales hat off, because obviously you want to maximize that for them. Where do you think that should fall on a list of an organization's priorities? Obviously, in accordance with uh, numerous other things that you may not have some insight into. There's a couple of things that uh, we coach our, our technology leaders on. One is uh, is really communication, interestingly enough, and, uh, and and building relationships with the business organizations because the organizations, the tech organizations that are continuously the source 
or the destination for cost-cutting moves tend to be the ones where they've been unable to talk about the value that they've created for their, their business colleagues. So, uh, you know, there's, we've, we've talked really for years and have, you know, continued um, space for improvement in terms of business and IT teaming together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've had all different techniques from an, an IT standpoint, you know, running projects in an agile way so that the value is accelerated up to the business. You know, running smaller projects is, is, is core to that. Um, you know, having more of a focus on use cases and and, uh, versus entire projects or, or programs. Um, so really, you know, the, the way we talk to, to tech leaders is to focus on, on almost value and speed. Um, my client, Right now, you know, we're always we always uh, laugh because we know his his hot button is speed. He, he wants to to you know get to the next place so that he can start thinking about the place after that. Um, and you know, I really like that 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 uh, that tempo, and it helps us um, you know learn more about the business, um, figure out things that are going to work that are interesting that the business is engaged with, and just you know park say no to some of those uh, activities that aren't quite as um, quite as important to the business and, and, you know, maybe waiting for a different time or, or we're just bad ideas to start with. And we're happy we didn't continue the investment. When you speak to CIOs or CDOs, whether that's chief digital, chief data officers within organizations, has there been a change over the last 10, 15, 20 years or so as to how much friction they get internally, how much pushback they get internally from the other C-suite capabilities within the organization as to what spend should be from a, a digital a digital transformation an IT transformation perspective yeah it's actually gotten to be a lot more complex and part of that is because we've got a whole next generation of digital workers so um, we've got we've got kids who have grown up on uh, social media who have used all sorts of technology in um, their high school and, and college programs. So uh, it's very difficult for uh, a new hire coming into, um, you know, any type of corporate role mm. to come in and, and see a bunch of, you know, old dusty technology. So um, there's, there's a real focus, I would say, uh, in, in terms of how the, the CIO needs to look at new technology because there's capabilities outside of the, the IT shop, as it were, um, where, where businesses can just do it themselves. Like, yeah, we can, I can stand this up in the cloud. Um, I had a client tell me once that uh, sometimes they only learn about different uh, software or cloud capabilities they have is when there's a security breach and somebody says, yeah, we've got this problem. And they're like, we have that software? It's like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I put it on my P card, <laughs> you know? So, um, so there's, you know, so in some cases, you know, we used to have, we used to call that um, ghost IT, um, but now it's a little bit more of a democratized IT model. So the question is, um, you know, how do you encourage that innovation and balance that with uh, an environment where, um, you know, one thing, data, you know, if everybody's got a different view of, of data or a, a different view of how important security is or, you know, any of the key building blocks of a business, if everyone has their own, own view on what that framework and structure looks like, it's going to be very difficult to get everyone aligned around certain business objectives um, you know, tremendously difficult to scale a business where everyone's doing their own thing. So, you know, once again, you've got to sort of harness that, uh, that, that innovative energy, um, but keep it from devolving into absolute chaos. And then, yeah, we do, we do see a bit of chaos for sure. 
just a quick pause to the podcast to share with you a charity very close to our hearts, Prevent Breast Cancer, who are just incredibly passionate about stopping the disease before it starts. Prevent Breast Cancer promote healthier lifestyles, screening and early diagnosis. They make sure 100% of their research funding is focused on preventing breast cancer for future generations. They're the only UK charity entirely dedicated to the prediction and prevention of breast cancer. They're right at the front line in the fight against the disease. And we are right behind them. I always feel that there's a lot of crossover in within the C-suite for obvious reasons, you know, the CFO with the, the CEO and COO potentially. And you just talked there about the CIO and, and the chief digital officer uh, intertwining now and for, for good reason. And I imagine over the last 20 years, technology with its involvement and it becoming the norm, but yet moving at such pace as we've talked about before, that the 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 CIO and the CDO are constantly selling into the rest of the C-suite as far as what they need to do in order to move forward. I'm keen to come back on something you mentioned before about unlocking talent through technology, which just jumped out at me. Just just look at something. When we're in like an uncertain times, difficult times, where companies absolutely need to continue to evolve technologically, but yet, as you say, might just slow things down slightly. It's quite generic, but how do a lot of companies get that balance right so that they're not overspending in a difficult time, but yet aren't way behind the curve when when they need to then catch up, so to speak? Yeah, you know, it's um, that's where where I think real leadership and communication skills are are important. So it, it's important for tech leaders not to be, you know, taking technology in search of a business problem. That that partnership, I think, is extremely Im- important, and there needs to be a real understanding of how, uh, you know, a critical business strategy is enabled. So, you know, maybe we're talking about new customer relationships, uh, bringing a, a product to market more quickly, finding ways to, you know, drive value out of the, you know, chief financial officer shop through faster analysis of data. There, there, there needs to be an end game. There needs to be an outcome. That's the focus. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've seen so many situations where tech has become a little bit of a, a diversion. And I think we've got, you know, in terms of generative AI, that, that, that's the question right now. You know, we've got certain organizations that are, you know, moving ahead really quickly. One conversation I had just this week with uh, an HR colleague, there seems to be so many really interesting use cases for organizations in HR, you know, hopefully not to the extent of like uh, IBM's announcement a few weeks ago, where they're going to replace most of their HR staff with with bots, like that seems seems a little extreme. That doesn't feel very uh, HR-ish. It's some, you know, doesn't feel like good care and feeding of your staff. But yeah. there does seem to be some great tools to really help an applicant process or or some of the employee processes out there. So we are seeing some use cases that are really emerging that that make a ton of sense. And there's some other areas where we're still thinking, you know, where where it's still it's still cooking a little bit. You know what. What can we do to really create not only that sugar buzz, but also that that sustainable value? And what what the technology leadership base needs to understand is is enough of the business to be able to talk to the business on their own terms. 
and you know come you know partner with the business and and say you know we've got this technology i think this is a way to address the you know this long standing problem that we've talked about or you know i think we can can get to some good answers in a little bit different way and and that's where the the recipe has to come together is technology the majority of the conversations you have with your clients these days because of course the, i mean the cio and i know you speak with c suite generally but because there's more to a business than just the technology, but we're just you know right in that bubble right now. Is it the vast majority, or is it quite spread across processes and people and operations and just the the, the business generally? It's it's the whole gamut, absolutely. The the conversation that I I have most of all, and most of my client conversations are with companies that are going through some type of corporate transaction, whether it's a merger or some type of, of carve out, you know, we're working with some of the data strategies and cloud and, and technology strategies in the background. It's, it's all prioritization, finding, finding people, really how, how, to, how to execute. So there's a lot of deadlines in the work that I'm doing, whether there's a transaction close date or some t- sort of transaction services agreement that needs to be terminated. So we're, we really work in, in, in pretty strategic sprints and and the questions wind up being just a relentless focus on prioritization. So you know, yeah, that'd be great to do. We don't have time. We can't do it. Need to need to keep moving. And and so it's it's really being part of those really rigorous decision making conversations where you know almost everything is an MVP. It seems like so so it's it's really bringing everything together. Every week at one of my clients, like yeah, I'd love to do that. Tell me who's going to do that. Who has time to do. That? So that's why there's some appeal around having a robot to, you know, have a little, having a little AI to to help out on some of these tasks because hard to find people, hard to retain people, hard to train people. And, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, easy, easy to buy technology. You know, sales process in a lot of these cases is the easiest. It's, uh, it's the implementation and and actually getting value that's, uh, that's, you know, the hard part. And just coming back to that phrase you said before, unlocking talent through technology. I know you mentioned about IBM and essentially having impact on their HR function. But was was there more to that, Liz? I mean, talent, as you know, is a big part of what David and I spend our lives doing as far as moving people. How how do you think the impact of technology is going to have on people generally within organizations and ultimately? I think it's a little cringy in in some ways when you know there's the thought that AI is going to replace people. I mean that that may be the case, you know, in in relatively tactical roles. You know, I think in terms of coaching that I discuss with uh, sort of our next generation of consultants and leaders, and even conversations I have with my kids, it's it's more how are you going to use all these technology tools so that you know you're bringing the full range of your skills into whatever role that you might have so uh you know i i think it's being aware of where the opportunities are what's relevant in terms of your role and your career and and just making those choices but you know that's one of the great things about consulting i'd say is just the opportunity to constantly be developing new new skills understanding how you're prioritizing and helping you know your clients understand the journey you're on and where you think certain things are going to be a, a, a bit more relevant i can i can remember some conversations that i had in my prior role with a team that was in telco this telco was the industry and i'm more of a consumer markets person myself and right. uh, everything they wanted to talk about was 5g i'm like 
uh, you know, just it, that it wasn't relevant to my to my experience. Uh, I've got a, uh, some friends who are very into quantum computing. I said, many of my clients are retail. I don't know if we're going to get there. We're going to get there at a different pace, most certainly. So, yeah. but there's there's certain pieces, you know, all of the um, you know data in retail data and CPG. It's is entirely the story. We're very very focused on learning more about our our customers when we're working with with CPG and, 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 and retail predicting the future, you know, tell us what's going to happen. Tell us what we need to build, you know, tell us what our customers are going to buy. You know, that's what, that's what my clients want to want to hear about. The, the story around 5g is one that I have a harder time making relevant. So, you know, it's how I pull everything together from a technology and process and, and outcome and people standpoint that I think helps me continue to be relevant to my clients. Being a consultant. Being at the behest of your clients, you love it. Clearly, you went out of consulting when you had your young children and you realized you wanted to be back in it. But how do you create success and enjoyment for yourself and know that you're doing a good job? It's a really interesting question. Maybe I need therapy. I don't know. Some of the feedback, a couple of comments and conversations I've had with my, my clients over the years and my teams, I can remember a client telling me, you know, that, and I worked with him as he moved through a succession of CIO roles. And he said, I just, you helped me look at my business differently. And, and so that was, you know, very exciting feedback for me to get. And I was, I was really grateful to hear that because that's, that's always what I I try to do. And I'm I'm not sure I would have been able to um, have those experiences if I, if I had a role outside of consulting. I, I, I also, think a lot of consultants, and I'm included in this, I, I think we have a fear of getting bored and, you know, consulting for whatever reason is never going to be boring. You know, we're, we're constantly, you know, working with new clients or helping our, our clients with new problems. So I, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, some of us are like chaos junkies to some extent, you know, maybe also, you know, therapy conversation, but, <laughs> but I, I think that's, I think that's an important part of it. And just the important part of teams, you know, our product is, is our people. And, and I can remember a woman who was working for me said, things just go better when you're here. And, I, and we were just sort of laughing about it. I'm like, can I just be sitting here drinking coffee or do I actually have to be doing it? <laughs> but, but it was a great, it was a great, um, it was great feedback for, for me to get. And I hope I bring that to, to all of my, my projects. I've, you know, really worked to create that you know, that framework where we're just moving ahead in a, you know, in a way that is helpful to our clients, that my, my team, everyone's learning all of the time that we're supporting each other, that we're successful, um, you know, together. And, and I'm sure there's other roles where I could have had those, those experiences, but, you know, the, the path and, and that, you know, that I've, I've chosen with consulting seems to have, have done it for me. Yeah, that's great. And you clearly found your you know what makes you happy at work and I think a lot of people strive for that constantly sit there in their job and think yeah well I'm pretty good at it and I make such and such a a salary every year but I don't really love what I do and and maybe never even find it right because they don't have the opportunity to do so but having that support structure and function around you in people I mean you mentioned therapy I mean look you know therapy is, is is amazing and super supportive for people in the same way that coaching is, we're big believers that having a coach is a great thing because it really helps you be the best that you can possibly be. When it comes to people that you advise, let's go back to the CIOs for a second, and you think about the attributes and skill sets that they need to be successful, what, what do you think that, that that is, that's required? 
Yeah, you know, I, I'd say the most important things that I have have seen in in leaders, and even going through the interview process with with you and and some of the conversations that that uh, you helped set me up for. Uh, one thing that I like about my team and and success is we all really care about our business. So we care about our clients. We care about our teams. And and I think it's it's that's a combination of you know, a lot of things, it's sort of an, you know, the whole EQ concepts, as well as bringing a certain energy and insight all, all together. You know, I, I'd say the CIOs that I've worked with that have had the most challenges have sort of over-indexed on technology. And it's just much more difficult uh, for that part of the, the conversation when you're so focused on tech, you know, to be to be relevant to the broader business. So in, you know, in the conversations that that we drive, it's, you know, really getting to that point where your leadership point of view is is 100% shared with the, the balance of, the, of the, the other business leaders. And, you know, some some have it, some don't. You know, and and that's I, you know, we can be tremendously helpful to uh, CIOs and CDOs that have a pure technology view, really to help them, you know, create that understanding. One thing that I love on my current team is uh, one of our leaders has told me that I'm bilingual, which I think is great because you can talk to the tech guys, you can talk to the business guys. It's like, yeah. I like being bilingual. Yeah. <laughs> Sign yeah. me up. That's cool. So I lo- I, I like bringing that. Uh, that you know, both my both both hats to the conversation and and help you know the CIOs and, and digital officers, chief technology officers, whatever the acronym suit might be, bring that bring that conversation together. It's funny because you you were talking before, and I know you were being tongue in cheek when you said when you talked about being bored, you know, in 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 a role, anyone whether they're in consulting, whether they're in another business, whether it's just life in general. But I think in the technology space, in the digital transformation space, I think things are moving so quickly now that you you don't have time to be bored. What what do you think are the essential things that a CDO or a CIO needs to really survive and, and not just survive, but, but thrive within any organization, whether that be an established business, whether that be a, a startup scale up organization. In, in terms of really thriving, you know, it's, it's, it goes back to a couple of things that we talked about, you know, right now with the constant change, it, you know, a lot of it is not, not being swayed. I mean, part of the CIO and CDO role and CTO role is, you know, the constant barrage of all of the technology people trying to, you know, sort of sell their wares. And, and you, I, I'd say bringing it together, you know, something that, that I do as a consultant is, is absolutely, you know, the, the key to that excess and, and really understanding and, and being able to communicate that there's more to it than just the cost conversation. So as, as you're creating that story and, and what the skill we work on so much with our, our next generation of consultants and it's, you know, pretty ex- exciting to be seeing and, and, and it's storytelling. And, you know, you'd think that, you know, with all of the, you know, technology waves that, you know, being able to uh, understand and assimilate technology might be the import- most important thing. I don't, I'm not, I'm not totally sure it is, but being able to bring that story together and communicate that story, I, I would say is, is, is the top thing. I have, I have a client who is, keeps all of his cards very, very close to the vest. And one thing that I'm 
working as a sort of a personal challenge is to try to understand his story. It's like, how's this all going to come together? One thing I work on with my teams from a storytelling standpoint is sometimes we, I, I'll, I'll look at a deck. I'm like, you're starting in the middle. I don't, I, I don't, how, how do we get here? I said, we need a, you know, once upon a time, we need to start the story. Then we can get into all the, you know, your great observations, your awesome recommendations. But then, you know, then you need a 10 on the dismount, right? You need, you know, the happily ever after. And, and really that storytelling profile is, is, is extremely important and, and extremely important for, for technology leaders as well. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm sure some of my teams were like, oh, that again. Then yeah, that's <laughs> like back to school yeah. a little bit with a beginning, middle and end, you know, everything has to have it and it works in every environment, especially as we said before, when you are, you know, bringing your other C-suite colleagues along, right? Along for the ride, you know, you need to tell them the story, you know, this is what it's going to look like at the beginning. This is middle and this is how hopefully it's going to end up. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's really relevant for sure. One thing that we've learned as consultants is you're not going to be successful if you have the great reveal, right? Just like all of the home TV shows, you know, you can't, you can't just, and I've had clients say this sometimes, you know, we just don't want you to do consulting. You know, it, it needs to be experiential. You need to, you know, yeah. work together as a team and, and make sure, you know, your, your clients and, and, you know, even what I do to, um, you know, be part of my team and, and to let my leadership know what I'm working on. Part of it is, you know, how are we going to position this whole conversation so they understand how I've prioritized my work and where I see the opportunities are, not just here's this thing. It's good. Yeah. You mentioned leadership a lot, Liz. Not to put you on the spot, but if I was to say, okay, so what, what makes you a great leader or what makes a great leader? What are the top three subject headings that you would always go to? One thing that I am grateful for uh, on a daily basis have, have been some of the companies that I've worked at and their focus on, on training and leadership development. So, you know, growing up in the, you know, the top management consulting firms, we've had access to great training and um, you know, working basically in a sales role at, at IBM for a few years and understanding how IBM teaches um, a sales process. Uh, I'm, I'm tremendously grateful for, for all of that. Um, and going back to just, um, you know, joining a, a consulting firm and, and the focus on, uh, on training for new college grads, I, I still use that training on a, on a day-to-day basis. You know, we create some muscle memory with our new consultants where I just, you know, you see patterns, you recognize patterns, you understand um, how everything comes together in the business of consulting. And I'm very grateful to have that foundation. There's certain things where I see colleagues who haven't had the same access to the same training, you know, struggling with, you know, a, a business problem. I'm like, no, 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 this is, this is how this turns out. Let me tell you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm tremendously grateful to have that, that muscle memory and, and, you know, to, to do things like know how to staff engagements so that I have enough capacity and capability to deliver my project, but also um, know that my team is, um, is positioned to make their own personal metrics. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you may be tempted to, you know, cut a few corners here and there. I was like, yeah, you always regret that one kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm tremendously grateful to have that point of view um, in my uh, sort of in my my toolkit um, mm. and, and to not have to think about some of those things and, anymore as much as you know sometimes new consultants complain about oh god more training or this or that um, I'm, I'm grateful for that I'm, I'm really grateful to have had some terrific mentors in my career 
um, and you know certain certain folks who I you know share successes with now or you know call and laugh about oh god remember this thing I'm seeing it again can you even believe it you know just yeah um, well there's there's so much to be said isn't there about experience and muscle memory as you say there we we talked recently with someone about AI and how you know it needs to be treated as a new employee right that's a great point yeah but not a 20 year employee uh, maybe in the future it might be but but there's still a lot to be said about you know having been there and experienced and having that that ability to just you know where your muscle memory kicks in and goes you know this is what we need to do don't let these holes occur because you know what we'll pay for it down the line i've tried mm. to cut corners in the past and it just doesn't work we're quite similar in our industry liz you know I, I, i'm just a a bit obsessive about process and making sure that as you say you don't miss anything because there's been too many examples of where you go god why did we you know lose that or why did someone you know, not join that business. And then you look back at your process and go, well, you know, there it is. So I'm with you completely, you know, and that's, I suppose, where that experience and that human part still exists as opposed to the AI and robots. Absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm intrigued, right? I mean, I'm a consultant. I always like to, you know, have, uh, have some efficiency out there. So um, I have been experimenting with some of the, the, the tools myself. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I, I think if in our business in particular, um, we've had sort of waves of, you know, is artificial intelligence going to replace consulting? Um, I think artificial, insult, uh, artificial intelligence can replace bad consulting or, or, you know, consulting that isn't creating value that's just off doing stuff. Um, but, you know, we, that's not how we build our businesses anyway. So, you know, the, the, the way we are um, embedding new tools and how we're delivering great service to our clients. Um, you know, that's always going to be a differentiator for, yeah. for us. And, and it's fun to be involved in a practice now that is working to, you know, to, to embed those tools, to create those environments for us. But, you know, at, at PwC, you know, our, one of our key differentiators, certainly, I think most of the time, our top differentiator is trust. Um, and, you know, when you're looking at technology and how technology is being introduced into these conversations, um, I'm not sure there's a lot of trust you know, quite yet in terms of a lot of these next generation technology tools. So, you know, we talk a lot about the the provenance of um, some of the uh, outputs of, of artificial mm -hmm. intelligence. We talk, what is it, confabulations, I believe, uh, you know, just how artificial intelligence may, um, you know, be a little bit uh, broad and, and uh, creative in terms of some of the responses to different prompts we create. Mm. Um, that's, it's hard to create a trusted environment uh, there. Um, my, my niece actually uh, was asked for a summer job to create a resume, which I thought was hilarious. I mean, she's 18. What sort of resume could you possibly have? So um, I said to my sister, I said, well, gosh, that's a perfect AI application. Why not? Give it a shot, right? Um, and it came back and it, it was a really at face value, it was really interesting um, resume, but it also said she had had a career in facilities management. I'm like, she can't clean her bedroom. I don't know about facilities. <laughs> <management."> 
it's managed in her from her perspective you know? yeah exactly exactly so you know promising however so uh so i think there's you know it's it, it definitely is uh, interesting you know some of the things i'm hearing about uh you know and, and interested in using like uh, you know artificial intelligence with expedia i think some of the expedia announcements are super interesting okay. um so i'm you know cautiously optimistic but i think we all have to be wary of being positioned as facilities managers <laughs> yeah we 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 talk about well we've spoken about we touched upon ai quite a lot right ai specifically generative ai has been at the forefront of everyone's mind recently i think cloud has been a, a common theme cloud transformation has been a common theme over the past however many years now i think quite high at the top at the top of a cio or a cdo's agenda is cybersecurity and and data privacy how does a typical CDO or a CIO address security threats and ensure data privacy. Oh, another book topic, David. Um, you know, it's it's interesting um, having gone through roles where I've been focused on IT strategy to cloud strategy to data strategy, and uh, you know, certainly worked with uh, cyber cyber leaders. Um, one of my best. Uh, Technology colleagues is a great cyber guy. Um, it, it's it's interesting to me that everybody's still chasing that rainbow, you know, puppies, unicorns kind of kind of thing. Um, it, it's it's really we've always been looking for the the easy solution, and some of this just comes down to being hard. You know, the, it's really it, it, it's interesting being in the U.S. and seeing some of the policies that are being created. In the EU, um, you know, most recently on uh, on AI, but certainly the issues that we're seeing in social media that are mm -hmm. you know, profound and affecting, you know, the uh, everybody who's uh, you know looking at information through different lenses. You know, the way I, I'd say the successful uh, CIOs and CDOs are really understanding the holistic requirements of these conversations. You know, everybody who is um, in as in a cyber role is really looking to um, engage earlier and earlier in conversations when, we're, when business solutions are being considered. I think we had a, a big cyber breach in the U.S. yesterday. I mean, it, it's it's really constant. And you know, sometimes we used to talk about the strategy. Uh, uh, you know, you just need to stay off the front page of the Wall Street Journal on some of these uh, topics. And I, I, I don't think that's wrong, but it is also, it, you know, it's easier to just do your own thing, right? I mean, we work with clients uh, in silos. I've worked in businesses that stay in silos, but, you know, it's it's increasingly important that uh, leaders are, are collaborating and, and having holistic approaches to, to some of these really tricky problems. Yeah, you mentioned trust before. Obviously, it's one thing saying it, another thing doing it. Uh, I remember, uh, and technology, trust in technology is, you know, when it's new, no one trusts it and it takes people on a journey. Gosh, the amount of people who didn't have Apple Pay till even recently, just because they didn't quite trust that thing on your phone. Well, no, sir. Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. And security, like everyone's so, so very conscious of it. And I imagine it's a big agenda point for any CIO, uh, any organization. Just one other thing, Liz, that I'm, I'm keen to understand from your perspective is that, you know, we talked before about people and their own success and valuing their own success. Do you think people put to one side their own version of success in order to be successful within a corporate environment? Do you think that they 
bypass some of their own requirements to create their own personal success in family or, or life generally in order to I see what you're asking yeah you know it's that's really interesting and I, I think over anyone's journey you do wind up redefining what success is um I was really surprised um when I was working in my my sales and and channel management roles at IBM to be as happy in those roles as I was. Um, but it was part of it was learning new skills, talking to new customers. So all things that I knew that I liked in my career, um, you know, success in some of those sales roles was measured in commission. I'd never been in commissionable roles. So, you know, kind of learning that and learning some of the ways that um, you could differentiate yourself on your team. So that was, I did have to fundamentally, um, you know, change my, my definition of success in the pace. I can remember working with, um, uh, one of the execs at IBM, who I consider a, a great mentor, um, we'd be looking at, at sales pipeline, which I spent a lot of time doing at IBM and in sales roles. And there's a one one sales opportunity where we we're going to sell a bunch of hardware. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what that project does. He goes, don't wonder about that project. Keep it moving. You got to sell the hardware. Because <laughs> um, you know, I've spent my whole life wondering about what's going on in this project. So um, kind of had to sort of change things um, and, and did realize that I really wanted to go back to um, you know, the other, uh, you know, That's my other curious career. nature that you have though, Liz. Yeah. A little, little overly curious and yeah. some like staying yeah. focused, closing the deal and, you know, getting the commish, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, but you know, and then I think, you know, as you have kids or, you know, take care of parents or whatever, you know, you, you, priorities have to change, you know, it's just, um, and I, I think folks who don't have that resiliency and don't have that ability to, um, you know, redefine and, and, and sort of change the lens, I, I, you know, you can do it, but I, I, I think you wind up with a, a degree of frustration, I'd say, and, mm. and everybody has to, you know, choose their own path on it. Um, yeah. I, I think parents in particular are, are particularly good at it because you have to, you have to keep other beings alive and things like that, that are pretty, yeah. pretty pressing <laughs> pretty pretty important yeah, look, it was a relatively generic question right it was seven billion people on this planet right so you know you can't you can't answer for all of them but you know the, the time that I've known you Liz we talked about so many different things that I know that we can chuck you from pillar to post as far as questions that we ask you and you you've always got a good response to them and that's what we've done here today. In the main, it's just been really insightful to get your perspective from a, the CIO standpoint and what it means to them to succeed and what it means for you to succeed with them. And that's just been awesome. And, and we've covered quite, quite a few different topics as well, Liz. And it's been great to spend the time with you. you know, as, as I said at the beginning of, of the pod, you know, first and foremost, you're just such a lovely person to chat with. And we really, really appreciate the time that you spent with us here today. And hopefully all the people that have listened and watched this think the same. Thank you both so much. It's always been, uh, you know, a, a privilege to, to talk to you, Rob, and, you know, keep my, my feet on the ground on certain things. And, and <laughs> really, it's been, it, it's a great relationship. Look, look forward to it continuing and thrilled to have uh, you both as part of my network. Thanks, Liz. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Thank you for listening to the Search and Succeed podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We'll see you on the next one.